1: Get
2: on the grid. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood, Tuesday, December 15th. Let's cock a doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician, and as always, I got my main man Kevin Walsh burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we fundamentally put the fun in functional sports content, so stick with us and Kev. What a game we had last night. People are already calling it the game of the year in the NFL, and quite frankly, I cannot argue that claim the Ravens go into Cleveland as road favorites they were three three and a half point road favorites and going into the last play of the game Kev they were winning by three but then some ridiculousness happened and if you didn't catch it the final score of this one is 47 to 42 Lamar Jackson running like a maniac with 124 yards and two touchdowns Nick Chubb with two touchdowns on the other side but there's a lot to discuss in this game kev i mean lamar jackson had to go into the locker room because he was cramping we see trace mcsorley who then ultimately gets himself banged up lamar jackson comes back in throws a dime on fourth down and then literally in the last couple of minutes back and forth cleveland would not give it up either down 34 20 down in the last two minutes they showed something to me to football fans and, quite frankly, to the nation who hadn't seen this version of the Cleveland Browns in a long time. But it is the Ravens who get the job done, and they're still firmly in the AFC playoff race.
1: The, this game was absolutely out of control. And I want to you know, we, for whatever reason, in the betting community, everyone thinks about bad beats. It's probably mm. a part of an SVP, but we always turn to those who just had their hearts ripped out. And, I mean, it is impossible. If you've bet even once, right, you can understand what that person who has Browns plus three is going through. Uh, They said the other night someone, FanDuel FanDuel tweeted out, someone bought an alternate line of Browns plus four and a half to try and avoid any and all situations. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. I will say... I was doing in-game live with Jared Smith who had Baltimore minus 3. I mean mm. it was the time of our lives. I mean it was as if we were celebrating like a wedding. I don't know. It was just all beautiful. It was glorious. Sure. It was it was the best. So there there is the other side of it. Like there's There's bad beats, and there's, like, once-in-a-century winners. Lucky wins. There are other people, right, who are on the other side of that coin, if you can take any solace in that. I mean, if you had the Browns, you cannot, I know. But if you're just, you know, watching that without, you know, anything on the line in that type of spread, unbelievable. And as far as the total goes, because I do, I mean, we're gonna, of course, stay and break these, you know, this this game down. We have a little bit more time here, and I think both of these teams showed a ton. I just, as far as the total goes, this is something that you and I have now talked about quite a bit with some of these teams that are viewed as run, run, run teams. It doesn't matter oh, yeah. if the hey, end the result score. is touchdowns, eighty nine points, up. incredible. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And we're seeing this a lot with Baltimore. We're seeing this a lot with Cleveland. We're seeing this with Tennessee as well, right? As we welcome in our radio audience, big shout out to all of our affiliates. Thanks for getting up on the grid early with us. Let's start Kev with Lamar Jackson. Um, Because Lamar Jackson, listen, runs for 124 yards, runs for two touchdowns. We all know that's there, right? But I got to tell you, again, this is yet another game. He finishes with 163 yards passing. A lot of that came at the very end, 11 for 17. I mean, Kevin, the first half, I think the man only had like three completions, right? And so we're also seeing this. Don't get me wrong. It's a passing league here in the NFL, right? We know this, and 4,000 yards isn't a big deal for quarterbacks anymore. These rookie quarterbacks are setting records. Guys like Stafford and Ryan are getting cumulative career records at a faster pace than ever before. It is a passing league. However, Kev, to your previous point, the left hand still also seems to work, right? You know what I mean? If teams want this as their identity, this can be effective. And, you know, they talked about the Cleveland Browns and their offensive line a ton last night, right? They talked about Lamar Jackson and kind of the openings it has for the inside run game you saw in, like, the Gus Edwards touchdown, right? But Lamar needs to have all of this. But did he answer your questions as a passer at all in this game? Or do they not need to? You know,
1: that, see, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, right, You people would come away like, I mean, Baker was a much better throw of the football in this game. And ultimately, if I asked Lamar to throw the ball 30 more times, the end result is probably a bit different. But he Lamar, missed a few easy ones over the top to Andrews sure. and stuff like that. They left meat on the bone. The thing is, when you throw the ball only 17 times, your misses are magnified. Also, when you're Lamar, your misses sure. are magnified. At the end of the day, Lamar complete, he was after about 9.5 yards per attempt. Baker was below 8. It wasn't even, as like, from a yards per attempt point, he didn't throw the ball because that's unnecessary. They ran 32 times for 231 yards. I, I mean, yeah. this volume with this efficiency is derived from their quarterback going 9 of 124 with two touchdowns on the ground. I thought this was the type of performance where I can now start to really feel good about this rushing offense, and you know this. It dated back to the game against Pittsburgh where RG3 was quarterbacking. Their ground game looks excellent. The ground game is not dead in the
2: NFL. We'll talk a little bit more about this game when we come back on the other side. We're off and running on the early line.
1: Welcome back,
2: everybody, right here onto the early line. Dane and Kevin breaking it down. I got to tell you the truth. You talked about, like, Baltimore and how maybe the passing game isn't needed. And I fundamentally believe still part of that is because of game flow, right? Like, they were kind of up. This game was this game was 14-14. I believe going right into halftime and then boom, Baltimore gets the score at the very end of the first half, boom, Baltimore gets the score at the very beginning of the second half to get a two touchdown working margin, right? And that remember yesterday, Kev, when I was like, I'd be interested to see how whichever quarterback performs if they actually get down, right? Then it was Baker. And Baker, you know, they changed, you know, I know you talk about how they lead with passing all the time, but even in that first drive for me, at least Kev, that first drive, which was something like seven passes, two runs, all of the passes were play action or Baker on a bootleg, you know, play action, bootleg rollout and trying to find the tight end on the rollout or screen passes. It still kind of fits what I'm talking about, but then down by two touchdowns in the second half, then we see him in the shotgun more, then we see the spread more and Baker was able to deliver the football for the most part keep them in them and even get it back albeit except for the picks the pick where the uh, linebacker kind of in essence baited baker into throwing it to the flat but what do you think then about this browns team you know you're saying that lamar and what they're doing that run game is just such a beast that they can get it kind of done talk to me about Listen, this Browns team scored forty-two points against the Ravens defense, battled back multiple times. They scored twenty-two points in the fourth quarter, and you know Chubb gets into the end zone twice. Hunt gets into the end zone. Even Baker run it in. Tell me what you think about this Browns team.
1: Yeah, and I mean that first drive. It's also what I've been been saying. The run is established. They don't. They enter the game. The run is established, and they like to throw, and they like to take advantage of that, and they run their play actions, and they run their screens. they And yep. then they will punish you with the run as the game does go on. But I, that's the thing. I, you know, I've said this for a while now. I think you and I are seeing the same thing similarly, but maybe describing it differently. Ultimately, for the Browns, I thought this performance from Baker, at the end of the day, you want to win the game. But well, man, that has to be encouraging. Baker... Sure. The interception I thought was fascinating for those that's you know, Tyus Bowser was on the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and sprints yep. out into the flat, the flat yeah. And yeah. I don't know if he was in Baker's line of vision or not. I I I can't tell. I'll never know. It's entire you know that was a great Baker play by We'll say it. Like it was a, it was a, it was an incredible play. But at first my thought process was, how does Baker not see him? But then, kind of, as the you kind of see the play from another angle, like man, maybe he literally supposed to be there. He wasn't supposed to be there. That's late, part of it, Getting rid yeah. of that football. The thing of, about Baker is he made he makes that that throw the interception. And my first reaction was, "Ah, see, this is the thing with Baker, man. Eventually, uh-huh. I just can't trust it." And then I went, "You know what? Though that's not fair." And then and they put the graphic up that said it was his first time he's thrown a pick in almost two hundred pass attempts. I'm like, he's yep. been playing solid. I said, I do want to see how he bounces back though. And I thought he bounced back admirably. And he did. I mean, really yes. well. And yeah, the thing is, he was moving in the pocket comfortably. I know that because there's going to have to be a conversation around these two defenses at some point. If these teams are going to do anything that resembles making a push for an AFC title, you can't be giving up 40 a night, right? But the, I thought the Ravens were applying. Like, Baker was not sacked once. He was hit a whole bunch and was off script even more than that. But he was moving, and he was finding guys down the field. I was really, really impressed. That Baker Mayfield is the Baker Mayfield that they drafted first overall out of Oklahoma. Absolutely, And another thing they said, another one, like,
2: stat they talked about is that they if you put the clock on Baker holds the ball, they say, more than anybody in the NFL. But if you look deeper, it's part of what Kevin and I am saying. He rolls out a ton. They have play action a ton. However, it's established, Kev, it is an element of their offense, right? Whatever the reasoning is that defenses bite or have to consider it, whether it's because they see it happening or because it's established in pregame, just with the box score of Chubb. hunt whatever the case may be it is an element of their offense they know teams are worried about the run so whether it's the rollout whether it's the play action whether it's the screen game it is a big time element of their offense let's talk about this though the ravens get a w the browns fall a little bit and what about that crazy bad beat let's look at the last play of the game technically the way it's described in some box scores right so baker passes to kareem but Hunt fumbles, Higgins recovers it, Mayfield recovers it, Landry recovers it, Hunt gets it back. Richard Higgins eventually tries to throw it all the way back to the end zone. And, you know, what's interesting, Kev, is because this is not the, you know, you'd say, ah, oh, this never works. But guess what? It almost did work earlier this weekend, albeit in a <laughs> conference that has right there in the same area. We almost should have mid-major Matt back on today to talk about this one. I don't know if you saw this. It was Quasi successful over the weekend in college football, Kev, when it came to uh, Western Michigan and Ball State, like the, the the team ran onto the field, a la Cal Stanford. Ultimately, they, just, they decided that one of these was, in fact, a forward pass. But, you know, some people are like, why are they ever going to try that? It, it, it has worked every now and sure. then. Um, but horrible beat, like you were saying. And also in fantasy, right? Maybe you had the Baltimore Ravens defense. And you got two points for a safety on something like that. And that's the difference of you going to the semis or not. In some leagues, you you know, even those little... Minus five to minus three. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or, I mean, the safety gets you two points no matter how much you give up for the points allowed, right? In some leagues, Mm -hmm. even those little advancing of the fumbles, you know, can matter. In some leagues, having a fumble, not even a fumble lost... Right, But just fumbling is a point down. So all these Mm -hmm. guys, you know, Hunt fumbled it twice on that play, for goodness sakes. So a very crazy end to that one. But let's – go ahead. What are you going to say? Because after that, let's look at the picture. Go
1: ahead. Man, that play that you were mentioning, though, over the weekend in that college game is one of those sensations. Because it wasn't just like – in the college game, yes, it was the same play. Except there was a little uncertainty as to whether there was a forward pass or not. And the play was right. working, except there was a moment where they thought it was over. And the team that but ultimately wins the game runs onto the field, and their bench right. players start tackling the guy who's trying to return yeah. for a touchdown. That <laughs> yeah. play was. I mean, there was absolute... coaches from both teams running onto the field yeah. in that
2: one. No, it was an, and absolute, it was it. an
1: absolute delight.
2: Because, you know, in these, there's a lot of laterals, a lot of fumbles, and one looked like a fumble yeah. that was kind of like covered by a mob, and then that was obviously it. But no, the ball kind of was live and squirted out. And so hey, the man. guy picked it up and kept on with the laterals and one of their players ultimately got it all the way to the house but then in the way they adjudicated it they you know reviewed and found out that one of the passes were in fact a forward pass but listen if the tennessee music city miracle can happen why don't you give them this one but i digress (laughs) kev let's think about this now because the ravens win to stay involved in the playoff race, right? And the Browns fall yeah. back a little bit. Let's look at the AFC playoff picture. Um, now mm-hmm. that week 14 is done, we've got three games left, Kev. So, you know, the six-win Patriots are no longer on the graphic with only three games left. But, I mean, fair, but, never I mean you know, hey. Well, no, Well, you know, he put it on now and then to make you happy. One there week. you go. So talk to me. The Browns lose this game, but are still the one the number one wild card along with Indianapolis. The Colts, remember, are in the wild card race, but still tied with the Titans at nine and four as well. Remember they split, right, Kev? Those two games in three weeks that they played. Mm-hmm. So those would be mm-hmm. even further tiebreakers. But we got some quality teams, okay? There's no five and seven on this graphic like there is in the NFC. So talk to me,
1: Kev. How much did Baltimore need this game? I mean, they needed it in every way imaginable. Had they lost that game, I believe Vegas would have controlled their own destiny over Baltimore, and it's a schedule for Vegas, as bad as they've been, it would have been a manageable schedule. Baltimore now, and we've talked about this Ravens schedule, but it does close with home versus Jacksonville, home versus the Giants, and at the Bengals. They will be well above touchdown favorites in all three games to close out the season, and the big thing is, Dane, we can talk about this on the other side, this was the last performance for them against the playoff caliber team. So now yeah. when we go at ah, Jacksonville, it's the Giants, this is the performance where you decide you either buy Baltimore or you don't.
2: All right, we'll look at the playoff picture when we come back and the schedules of the key teams as well. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Big shout out to all of our affiliates hopping on the grid bright and early in the morning to get all the info you need. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh looking back at Monday Night Football. But now, Kev, we got to turn the page and start looking ahead to, I can't believe I'm saying this, week 15 of the NFL season. All these teams have three games left. So let's get that AFC playoff picture back up there because I think you're right. This is very, very tight talking about, you know, kind of the Raiders lost their opportunity. Remember we mentioned that that Colts Raiders game was going to be very huge for this exact graphic. And then you see, you know, the Colts win this game, they're on the wild card column. The Raiders lose this game, they're on the outside looking in. Baltimore is still on the outside looking in. Even with their victory last night, they are tied with Miami. But what I also want to do is bring up some of the schedules like we've looked at in the past for these key Wild card teams. Baltimore is still Mm -hmm. involved in that. Let's look at the schedules because you were talking about how you know they don't see another playoff caliber team or another above five hundred as per their record. So let's get that. What we still are talking about here: the Miami Dolphins, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Vegas Raiders. We're gonna keep Cleveland because you know they've got. Nine wins already. Oh, and by the way, their next two games are against New York, New York, the Jets, and the Giants. So I do think Cleveland will get in. Let's look at these guys, though. Miami, they've got, listen, they've got the Patriots who are, you know, what are they, Kev? You know better than me. One game below five hundred, right? The Vegas Raiders who are one game up. Yeah, so one game under five hundred. They got the Raiders who are one game over five hundred, and then the Buffalo Bills. So their remaining schedule is, you know, Overall, above 500, right? The Ravens, mm-hmm. however, the Jacksonville Jaguars, although yeah. the Jaguars made a big switch, the Jaguars may start reeling off some wins, but that's another topic for another day. Kev, the Ravens have the Jags, the Giants, and then at Cincy, these are at least two teams that are drafting, what we think, in the top five. The Giants, we don't know, right? They've just reeled off four in a row, but their quarterback was a little compromised again. You know, I'm not calling that an easy matchup per se, but they'll even get the Giants at home. And then there's the Raiders. And then there's the Raiders, who their three games, I would consider their schedule easier than Miami, but tougher yeah then the Ravens, and they're Mm -hmm. a game back, remember, and one of those games is Week 16 against the Dolphins themselves. When you overlay the context of the schedule, what do you like for these three teams fighting for wild-card spots?
1: So I absolutely uh, love Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore, when they play teams like the final three they're going to close against, not only do they win those games, they typically cover those games, right? Yeah. Uh, Now, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks changed everything. I won't even assume if a team is a ten-point favorite that they are going to be getting the job done. But good Baltimore good. is Baltimore is heavily favored to go eleven and five. Heavily favored. I would say ten and six even probably get them
2: in. Remember ten and six. I mean, then the Raiders would have to win out in order to catch them. Yeah, and then Miami, if the Raiders win out, then Miami cannot win out.
1: Right? Miami, right? That would be the bigger worry for, for Baltimore. If Baltimore yeah. goes down in six and Miami currently holds the tiebreaker, that would then be, uh, be a concern. But and I and I understand, Dane, when I give you seven games and you're like, listen, there something can trip up here. In those three games, I don't think it's really worth kind of no, tiptoeing I around you. it. Like it's eleven and five or it's ten and six, and tell me the spot they lose the game, right? As far as Miami goes, they got a big-ass game coming up this week. Now, I I don't know how you see it, but New England, for all of the woes, that's extra rest, and I do think that's relevant coming off of a Thursday nighter. I think a little bit of extra time to prep for them, And and I don't think, no matter what, are they out? Technically, no. Realistically, yes. But do I think that Bill Belichick lays down? Against, you know, division opponents? No, I do not. And that's the biggest thing here, Dan, because you mentioned it. These are three teams fighting for one spot. So it's going to be difficult. And as far as Vegas goes, Miami is the game that stands out as the toughest matchup. The other two, two division opponents that they already division. have wins over. They're going to need, if they, in order to get there, right? The thought process is they probably need to get to 10 and six. They need to finish five and one in the AFC West. That sounds tough. Like a lot
2: for the Vegas Raiders. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that you know I think this is Baltimore more coming out of this as well just to remember though one thing I'll say about that Miami New England game listen I think it's going to be a legit game we'll be able to preview it all week long it is in Miami yeah. the Patriots have had struggled down in South Florida even when they were really great remember like the Hail Mary Gronk couldn't play safety the right way yeah. last year and I will say this line opens Miami is a two and a half point favorite as of now down there in Miami against New England there's another their linchpin here though kevin the afc playoffs and it's because you know it's the afc south right one of these two teams will host a game i think you would agree that the other one will be a wild card along with the cleveland browns who we saw last night so let's talk about the colts and the titans they both stand at nine and four they both have three games left they both see houston as one of those games then which would you rather have a struggling pittsburgh but jacksonville or a struggling Detroit? But then at Green Bay, which one of these schedules would you rather have? I got to tell you the truth. I think I'd rather have the Colts schedule.
1: I think it's a wash. I think it's a wash. Because so for the Titans, they played Detroit this week. But Matt Stafford might not be quarterbacking for the Detroit Lions. Now again, Colt McCoy beat the Seahawks in Seattle. But – you know, I mean, we are now in the final three weeks of the year. For the, you know, if you're the Titans and you let something like that happen, I mean, you, we might as well push you out of the playoffs, right? So, and, and crazy enough, that could also happen. As much as we're, and I think it's right to look at the South teams through the prism of the South, if the Titans, let's just, and we're just using the Titans, lost, right? And then Miami handled business and Baltimore handled business, we start throwing tiebreakers into the mix because they do all have the same yeah. record. Yeah, The Colts will be playing the Texans. Remember, second time in three weeks for that matchup. So that is relevant to me. Now, Houston just got embarrassed by Chicago. No one's going to be picking Houston in the game. Maybe Houston covers in a loss. But I think that's relevant. I love the fact that Week 16, they both travel to big contenders in contenders, Green Bay and yeah. Pittsburgh respectfully. I think those are games where, could you sell me on one of them getting in the upset? Yeah. Yeah. Did I definitively tell you which one? Not sure. And then we go into week 17, and if it's all squared up, here's – I. so I felt like there was never a world where the Kansas City Chiefs would be able to lose to Vegas that second matchup because there's just no way the Chiefs were getting swept by Vegas. The Colts are not getting swept by the Jaguars. I feel good about that. I mean, if the Colts get swept by the Jaguars, that would be the most unbelievable thing to open and end their season. I mean, that would be sensational. No, I so I think it's a, I think it's a scenario right now, Dane, where not to sit on the fence here, but I legitimately view it as a wash, those three schedules, okay. those two schedules. No,
2: I, I hear you. Uh, the only thing I'll throw in the mix is, you know, like you mentioned, those division games. I don't think Jacksonville is necessarily going to sweep the Colts either. But – Deshaun Watson is capable of putting a big old monkey wrench into this, in my opinion.
1: They both still see the Houston Texans. Real quick, Kev. I I just want to throw you something with the AFC. I don't know if you've looked at the conference championship odds. Ideally, not. Because I want to just kind of get a temperature check from you. So if I told you that the Colts and the Titans are both 15-1 to to win the AFC, Mm. and then I told Mm. you that the bills are are the bills are 6 to 1 the steelers come in at plus 550 point of yep. reference where do you think baltimore would check in where do you think cleveland would check in using those what'd other odds that i gave you as a point sure, of reference what
2: would you say tennessee what would you say about tennessee and indy i think baltimore is above tennessee and indy below buffalo mm-hmm. i think cleveland unfortunately is below tennessee and indy I mean, like longer so, odds. I think Baltimore has yeah. better odds than Tennessee and Indy, mm-hmm. worse odds than Pittsburgh and Buffalo. I think they check in as the yeah. fourth best odds. Then I think there's the AFC South teams. Then I think Cleveland. Absolutely
1: spot on. I think the odds are stark, though. You have the Ravens checking in at 9 to 1, then the Colts and Titans at 15 to 1. Cleveland that would is be my 24 value. to 1. Twenty-four to one. So there, you and I were talking a little bit off-air about what would the Browns be priced at, possibly in their opening round matchup. Right now, they are still, I think, viewed clearly as—I don't want to say a tier below, but kind of—is there a drop between
2: Baltimore to like? Is there then another drop to like Vegas and Miami? Is there a noticeable difference of Vegas and Miami off of Cleveland? Fifty-five. Okay. So at least they're respecting them. Sixty-five. Right, so at least yeah. Cleveland's getting respected kind of as that seven, and at least in the playoffs. When you say that to mm-hmm. me, those AFC South teams, I, you know, they're the kind of non-sexy teams. They're the kind of teams that I believe are built the right way for the winter time. You know, I've been saying it all season long. Those are intriguing teams to me. When we come back though, Kev, we're gonna have to do the same exercise in the NFC. Because the NFC playoffs, mm-hmm. I think, has different contours than the AFC. Here in the AFC, we're looking at all teams with eight wins, right? We're talking about all teams, like, how will they stack up against each other? Mm -hmm. You have in the NFC the linchpin of clearly the NFC East and what is going to happen there. And quite frankly, the bottom of the wild card at the AFC seems like you're going to, like, have to fight to make it, right? In the bottom of the NFC, it seems like you're going to have to, like, fight to, like, not give it up. You know what I mean? We're talking about, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it might be a lower record, a lower quality team. It may be like, who wants this one? As opposed to in the AFC, more of these teams are like going after it. That's kind of the way I feel. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side of the break because we also have the same thing. The wild card schedule matchup and a few key divisions to see how they can play out the objects in your mirror are closer than they appear. We will do that when we come back, reset the NFC and the draft order after week 14, when we come back here on the early line. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back here to the Early Line. We just took a look at the AFC playoff picture, how we think it could break out given some of the schedules. Let's look at the NFC. I remember telling you, Kev, between that Vikings Bucks game and then the Cardinals Giants game and the Washington San Fran game, we've got a lot of changes from when we had this up just last week. The Washington football team is now in the playoffs as the NFC East leaders at 6-7, and seven, but as we know, really, every single Week that division has been a merry go round. So, for now, we have the football team there, and then everybody else, right, in that division, I think technically has a better path to, you know, winning the division than ever getting into the playoffs in any other way. So, we'll put that aside uh, for now. But then in the wild card, it's starting to get interesting, right? Seattle takes care of business. They're nine and four. They're still competing with the Rams for the NFC West. Technically, they're still competing with the Saints and the Packers, right? Both the Rams and the Seahawks only one game back for the bye with three left to play so i mm-hmm. i consider you know the saints the packers the rams the seahawks all four of those teams still technically in the mix for the one seed and that buy in the nfc but the first leverage point i want to look at is at the bottom of the wild card race tampa got a big win against Minnesota on Sunday. That gets them to eight wins. We've been talking, Kev. You have been mentioning about the schedule they have, right? So let's look. Let's consider maybe Tampa as getting in, obviously, second place in the NFC West. We think we'll get in. So what we're talking about, Kev, is the Arizona Cardinals, who won last week and are now seven and six, versus... The Minnesota Vikings, who lost last week to fall to six and seven. And then we've got to consider the Bears. They got a one win <laughs> with Mitch Trubisky going for three plus touchdowns. They are six and seven, the same record. So talk to me about these schedules now, Kev. Arizona has a leg up. We know that you know philly may be a different kind of challenge than we once thought san fran has kind is very like up and down they are battling even more injury debo samuel it looks like will be missing and then the rams who we talked about will likely still be either battling seattle or battling green bay or battling new orleans they will have something to play for minnesota also has the saints but then chicago and detroit and you know this minnesota chicago game One of them is going to definitely win and be seven and seven. The winner of that Minnesota Chicago game, right, is going to be live for the last two weeks of the season. There's really no two ways about it. What do you think about how these schedules stack up? Because they both also have, you know, top five drafting teams in the mix there as
1: well. The Bears get to see Jacksonville, et cetera. you, You mentioned the Rams playing week 17. There is something to be said about our new format. Maybe making Week 17 back to being fantasy relevant, that's a conversation for another time. I think the fact that the Bears, as you said, or Vikings are guaranteed to go to 7-7, seven, seven seven. unless they tie. I mean, if they tie, they tie. Forgive Whatever. me, right? But at the end of the day, they're guaranteed to go to 7-7, seven and seven, outside of craziness, right? Which automatically does put heat on Arizona. So the question becomes, and I'll leave it up to you, how much chance do you give Philly in that game? Jalen Hurts now at quarterback just beat the New Orleans Saints because I think the way that I think the way that verse fee comes off on the graphic is much different than how anyone would have looked at it last week on the graphic. I, mean, I think not? that's fair.
2: I think that's fair. Uh, quick check has the Arizona Cardinals at six and a half point favorites against the Eagles right now. I think there are some differences though, Kev. Like, listen, I am not diminishing or disrespecting what Jalen Hurts did last week. He was awesome. Ran for over Mm -hmm. 100 yards, got the win. The team looked a lot better. They had a spark. I saw pictures on social media of, like, after the game, all of the teammates crowding around Jalen Hurts. They're with him. They're riding with him. Carson Wentz, like, looking for someone to shake hands with by himself at the end of the game. But I digress. Mm -hmm. I think, though, um, going on the road, is different than doing it at home. I think that's a critical difference. Um, I also believe that second time around, you know, second game, uh, all of the kind of like first initial push when the rookie or the bench guy starts, I think that starts to wane, right, a little bit. And I do fundamentally believe that yes, the last Sunday, Taysom Hill in that Saints offense, remember, it was kind of like the fourth, fifth time seeing of a team seeing Taysom Hill. And that didn't look as good. And, I, and we're now starting to hear, oh, they maybe need to bring Drew Brees back. On the other side, you, I know, believe that Kyla Murray is back, is healthy is right again. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a very different challenge. And there's also, in an unscientific way, Kev, there's also the idea that the there's regression imminent for Jalen Hurts, will he really do that two weeks in a row? I'm not going to hang my hat on that. Um, I would bet Arizona at home this week to get to eight and six, but that's just me. They are six and a half points spread, right? But then what about the rest of that schedule? Because the Cardinals are going to be in that NFC West the whole time. We don't know the level of San Francisco as a challenge, but think about it. Minnesota gets to whoever wins. Let's put it this way. Whoever wins that Vikings-Bears game is either Mm going to still have a game, going to be 7-7 with Jacksonville on their schedule or Mm -hmm. 7-7 with a potentially stafford list Detroit on their schedule. You know what I mean? So still, what about this Vikings-Bears
1: game? Yeah, so I think right now you would view – the, the Bears, if the Bears win that game, I think it might be a little bit more dangerous because the Bears would then have won two games in a row. Trubisky has actually been playing solid enough football. Yeah, momentum. And they would be considerable favorites over the Jaguars. Now, yes. Gardner Minshew, never know. But the Vikings would be a little stop-start. Because going into New Orleans and winning that game, I think is going to be an absolute mountain for them to climb. The Vikings ended the Saints season last year in the Dome. I think that's a circle kind of game for the Saints. I think they'd look to heat up Kirk Cousins all game long. And I think Arizona can then create some separation. And the craziest thing of it all, now last year, Robert Griffin beat a Steelers team that actually needed the game in Week 17. 17. But one of the very few teams that could actually be resting in, in Week 17 is the Green Bay Packers. Because they hold a tiebreaker over the New Orleans Saints for beating them, they are a game up on the L.A. Rams. There's a world where Green Bay, who's playing the Panthers this week, then they have a home game up against the Titans, if we remember the graphic. Man, are a lot of schedules here. They have a home game against yeah. the Titans in Week 16. It's important. There's only three they weeks win. left. This is key. Yeah. If they win those two games, in fact, there's a. is it over? It would depend, I guess, tiebreakers with the Rams. Tiebreakers. But the Rams are gonna have the Rams are gonna have an interesting schedule. But if they win their next two, they're automatically gonna hold it over the Saints. Now, do they wanna give Rodgers two consecutive weeks off? There's a lot of other factors at play. But just they in a year where Maybe no one is resting Week 17. The Packers are a team that oddly could fit that description. I think the big test of it comes down to what Arizona does next week because their offense started to look better. It wasn't great. That was a really good defensive performance against the Giants. The Eagles secondary is supposed to be banged up. Can we see yeah, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins? Very, very, very banged up. Can DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray take advantage of that Philly secondary and get themselves to eight and six? Because if they get to eight and six, it's going to be really hard for them to be caught. Fair. Although two division games finish the season. Yeah, fair enough. You're talking about that
2: Arizona Cardinals, Philadelphia Eagles game. Uh, They have confirmed Jalen Hurts will be the starting quarterback for the Eagles in that game, likely for the rest of the season. They haven't gone that far. It seems like Peterson is kind of going week to week on this one. Maybe it's uh, Carson Wentz's ego that needs the protecting. But Jalen Hurts, in an obvious decision, will start for the Cardinals. I know you think that's the right decision, right, Kev? Yeah, I mean, it's
1: not even close. If they would have started Carson sure. Wentz, they'd have burned Philly to the ground. Yep. He, I mean, mm-hmm. what he did with his legs was absolutely sensational, and he should be the star. I don't know. And the thing is, I think it was reported, like, before the game against the Saints, he was going to start every game. So I don't know mm-hmm. what Doug Peterson is playing at. Just announce him as the starter.
2: No, absolutely. And listen, I know we're talking about the crazy idea of $130 million backup. But remember, Kev, you have asked me on Monday mornings before things like how many teams have had to go to QB2 so far this year, right? So, I mean, listen, no matter how much money you pay for it, that at this point is a sunk cost. Kind of like Adam Gaze getting Le'Veon Bell. Whatever you paid for him is a sunk cost. Now you got him. Depends on Mm -hmm. how you use them, right? Another piece of news that I think is interesting that affects one of these playoff teams we have been talking about about. The Raiders, who at home got boat raced by the Indianapolis Colts and gave up a 40 spot. Well, you know, Gruden needed to get his pound of flesh, and they did so. They fired defensive coordinator Paul Gunther for the rest of the season. I don't know if you want to hang it all on Gunther in the same way the Jets are hanging a lot of it on Greg Williams when they moved on from him as the DC. But honestly, think about it. You know, we love the Raiders, right, because they went into Arrowhead and won. But in that game, they were like 40 to 34 they're giving up 30 spots all the time this offense Derek been okay Josh Jacobs I know you like rugs you know Waller is in revelation you know I think Renfo is still important there and involved Aguilar has even proven it's the defensive side of the ball
1: and they uh they dropped the hammer on their DC ultimately Vegas now they could still get into the playoffs yeah. I don't think they are you don't think they are the odds suggest that they won't be getting in they need a big offseason because this is the first year now where I think we're you know we're done with the Khalil Mack trade. Those picks have all conveyed. Maybe a couple of late rounders could still be up in the air, but you know they're not picking twice in the first round. They need to, I think, get some more of these defensive pieces in. I don't think the defense is loaded with talent. Uh, you know, some when you ultimately do what they've done the past couple of weeks on the defensive side of the football, something happening. Yeah, you could see that coming, but I think Vegas just needs a hard look in the mirror because one of the things about this season, Dane, if you were to, and I don't think it's a moral victory season, but you ask me after a lot of games, Hey, did this team find their franchise quarterback? I mean, that was not an obvious yes for Vegas entering this season. No, they put it in Mariota, Right. And I don't know if it's an obvious yes now. But they got to be feeling much better about Derek. I mean, the last time they felt this good about Derek Carr was the year that he was completing all those comebacks and they were a playoff team and he got injured in weeks 15, broke 15 his leg. or 16 and ended up missing yep. the playoff game.
2: Yep, absolutely, and I remember that because the offensive lineman who happened to give that one up—that was the only, the first and only sack he gave up all season long. It happened to break Derek Carr's leg in that one. Talking about uh, you know injuries to a leg, let's talk Alex Smith here, very very quickly, Kev. They're saying that you know it's nothing major. I know a lot of people were worried because it was that leg that had the infections, had all the repairs going on. The reason he is the comeback player of the year, you know, runaway favorite right now, and it's a calf in there i heard dr chow on this network yesterday kev something i didn't think about they said like listen the calf will heal he's not at risk of losing the leg and all that stuff but apparently the crazy huge brace that alex smith has to wear really depends apparently on the calf to be strong, to like actually move the brace and be like athletic in it. So that's interesting to me. I know Alex Smith wants to get out there. He's leading this team potentially to a division title. What do you think, man? In in in, in one word we, or two words, we've seen Alex Smith or uh, Dwayne Haskins on Sunday.
1: Dwayne Haskins. Is my thought process for this Sunday. That, that's what I would think. I just want to quickly say with Washington, they're a big minus number to win this division. They're going to be dogs this week against Seattle. Hell, they were dogs against an undefeated Pittsburgh team. We get it. But this team, this thing is not wrapped up. I'll tell you that right now, and we can leave it no, at that. Of course not. The NFC East is not wrapped up.
2: No, absolutely not. Dwayne, Do we trust Dwayne Haskins to keep it going in a final three-game stretch? Remember, they don't have the tiebreaker heads up against the football giants because of their head-to-head and all oh, so much more. I got one more quarterback switch to tell you and some impacts of it when we come back on a Tuesday early line. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. And I don't know if you watched or listened or heard whatever the early line yesterday. At one point, Kevin and I latched onto something we didn't talk about, but we felt the exact same way about, and we knew it was absolutely crazy. I give you, Kev, the term gives you the best chance to win. You know who gives the Jacksonville Jaguars the best chance to win, Kev? It's obvious. The man's name is Gardner Minshew, and what do you know? Yesterday, Doug Marone said Gardner Minshew, yep, he's back as the starting quarterback. So, that idea of the thumb injury or whatever it was, ridiculous, okay? It was clearly they knew Gardner Minshew was a decent NFL quarterback. And if they started Gardner Minshew for the bulk of the season, they might win some games, Kev. So, with mm-hmm. this information, let's also put up the updated draft order here. In the NFL, which, as you know, have no real changes at the tippy top because the Jets lost, the Jaguars lost, the Cincinnati Bengals lost. But look, the Cowboys got to win. The Chargers got to win. I think we are now solidifying, Kev, at least the top three teams. And with Gardner Minshew playing quarterback for the Jags. Might they get a second win this season, making it nice and comfortable for me for the Jets that I can even avoid the embarrassment of, you know, 0-16 and, and still have Trevor Lawrence fall in my lap. What do you think about the Jags' decision to, I guess, admit what they've been doing for the last month and a half?
1: I don't know if they've admitted. They're probably just like, ah, these other guys. were. They were flirting with Bench and Gardner going into that Chargers game. To be fair, but yeah, I mean, it was it was wild. They finish up at Baltimore, home versus the Bears, and at the Colts, they certainly Minshew's no matter who's the quarterbacking, Bears. Minshew will beat the Bears. I know you think that. I know you. Think that. <laughs> I know you do. I mean, that was you saw that coming a mile away. What I think's really interesting though is if you look at their last five games. So Gardner didn't start for six. The first one was against the Texans. The last five: Green Bay, Steelers, Browns, Vikings, Titans. Does Gardner beat teams. one of? But does he beat one of those teams and mess up the playoff picture? Forget the draft for Maybe. a second. If one of those teams mm-hmm. slips up somewhere, how much it changes things? Right. I mean, remember the Colts got a loss to the Jaguars,
2: also that you know kind of impacts their chances we as well. We'll move to soccer when we come back on the other side. Hour number two.